and welcome to Phil and Lisa Ruin Star Wars, a special edition of Phil and Lisa Ruin the Movies with me, Lisa Schmeiser, and my co-host, Philip Michaels. I, I feel that the ruining Star Wars was done whenever Phantom Menace came out. Oh, oh, hey, high five, oh. Don't forget to tip your servers. Yes. Anyway, this is, as I said, a special podcast edition since Phil and I both saw um, The Last Jedi. Yes, separately. Uh, but when, when within, did you, when but did you see it? I saw it yesterday. And uh, how many times did you see it in, in rapid succession? Twice. Yeah, back to back. I did. Hmm. It was so great. So you saw it opening day. I did see it opening day. But so <sighs> I think you have a... I saw it um, a couple days before you did. Mm-hmm. You know... It's good to go opening day if you're a parole, but I, being, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, being a, a very important person, um, <laughs> being, being um, media elite, um, I, I went to a, uh, a screening of it um, Tuesday, mm-hmm. so uh, about two plus days before it was released before the wider world. I know, so I, I went to a Monday screening. Yes, and actually, if you were a movie critic, you went to a screening far before that. All I know is at my screening, they took away my phone mm-hmm. so that I couldn't take pictures or tweet or or do anything. So, where did where was your screening? My so? screening was at uh, Lucasfilm's uh, place in the Presidio in San mm-hmm. Francisco. Which, if you have a chance to go and see a movie, uh, whether it be Star Wars or any other sort of motion picture. Go there because, you know, you're wandering around the lobby and, oh, look, there's the statue of Darth Vader. And there's, mm-hmm. oh, what's this? Oh, it's one of the thermal detonators from Return of the Jedi. And, <laughs> oh, we seem to have left one of our Emmy Awards lying around. Would you like it? Mm-hmm. It's just, there's there's a lot of stuff to look at yeah. in the, um, in the uh, uh, lobby area of Lucasfilm, and the studio is quite nice. The, and the plushy area to watch movies. The sound is 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 fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a uh, wonderful cinematic experience. And I would, uh, oh, do you did you not see uh, the 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 Last Jedi under the watchful eye of Lucasfilm employees? I pity you. No one likes a braggart. No, no one does. That's why. That's why I'm so terribly alone. Mm-hmm. Me and Ann Coulter. <laughs> I'm handing you the keys, and you're leaving after this, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody hurts. Yeah, everybody hurts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. So anyway, this is, as I said, an episode of Phil and Lisa Rune Star Wars. We are going to discuss a few trailers beforehand because I did see some trailers yeah, there, before, there, the, before the movie started. There are no trailers at Lucasfilm, but. After the trailers that we discuss, I want to warn you, we will be discussing Star Wars, The the, um, the Last Jedi. It is a movie. We're discussing things that happen in the movies. There will be spoilers. Um, so if you have not seen Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and you want to see it and you don't want to be spoiled, it's probably safe to stop listening to the podcast now and come back to us when you have seen yeah. the movie. We won't be hurt. We won't even No, you, you've had 24 hours. What, what, what are you doing with your life? Go go see the movie. Anyway, the point is, there's spoilers. Yeah, you know, when when uh, Force Awakens came out, I didn't see that movie till February. How many podcasts did you listen to related to the Force Awakens? I listened to zero because I am a smart, clever man who didn't want to uh, be spoiled. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that Han Solo died. That's a spoiler, by the way. Would you like oh more things spoiled? Bruce Willis is a ghost the entire movie. The sled is named Rosebud. There is no clam bake at all. She's there. her sister and her daughter. Yeah, th- yeah. those are my spoilers. 
spoilers. There so there you go. No, anyway, the point is we will be discussing the movie. There will be spoilers. We don't have a spoiler horn. And um, better safe it. than sorry. We'll see you later. Yep. Okay. Um, in the meanwhile, stick Are around. they gone? No, well, we're going to stick around. And Are the cool people just left now? It's just the cool people here. Not the losers who haven't seen Star Wars? Oh, for God's sakes, Philip. Not everybody gets to be a Lucasfilm elite. Okay. Are are we done with that shtick? I apologize. Are we done with that shtick? We are. All right. No more? Yeah. We're clear on that? Yeah. Excellent. Okay. All right. Let's talk trailers now. Yeah. Because there are three we want to talk about. Actually, there's four we want to talk about. Because we want to talk about Death of Stalin. Yes. We want to talk about Movie Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. Uh, Film Stars Don't Die. Film Stars Don't Die in Liverpool. We want to talk about Ready Player One. Mm -hmm. And we want to talk about... The Avengers Infinity War Part 1. Yeah. So let's start with um, the two more enjoyable for Philip trailers first. And then move on to the ones that I think are interesting, um, especially in juxtaposition with The um, Last Jedi. Because the last two trailers are the ones I saw in front of The Last Jedi. Yeah. So So, Death of of Stalin. Why can't we see it in the States now? I don't. If it it, uh, was released in this country, I I missed it. Yeah. It, It has been released. At least in the UK, I know from the everything cool happens in the UK. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But um, the mods, it, it's um, Tanya Brexit. Uh, ah, it's kidding it's, about the last one, by the way. It's directed by the um, and I don't have his name in front of me. He does a lot of work with Veep, so that's Amanda Inucci. Yeah, there you go. And boy, you pulled that one out of thin air. I sure did. That's why we keep you around on the show. The whole point to Death of Stalin is it's about how the Soviet bureaucracy reacted to the aforementioned Death of Stalin and all the power players and how they were busy trying to stab each other in the back while nimbly avoiding their enemy stilettos. It's a high comedy. It has a... It's, it's a dark comedy, yeah. uh, it is more accurate. because um, High what, and dark. How about what, that? Well, yeah, sure. And mm-hmm. one thing about the, the trailer and... Mm-hmm. and they make no bones about this. The trailer has a lot more laughs, yeah. um, which is not to say that the movie doesn't have laughs, but the movie also has a very dark edge because there's it's, genocide involved. It's about, and it's, it is about a lot of murder to cover up people's mistakes and uh, mm-hmm. stoke through hubris. Yeah. But the cast is a murderous row of people who turn in reliably solid and funny performances, mm-hmm. inclu- including Michael Palin, mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi, Jason uh, Isaacs, Rupert Fret, yes, who's hilarious as General Molotov, Rupert friend um this is so weird because of everything that's going on in the wider world jeffrey tambor's in it so depending on your stance regarding um seeing the work of people who have been accused of highly unprofessional and dehumanizing behavior i can see where that's a deal killer for some people and i can respect that that's a deal killer for some people sure um but anyway tambor seems unfortunately look very funny Mm -hmm. um and yes. it it looks like the kind of movie where um, it, it frankly seems pretty uh, in tune for this 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 day and age. To be honest, yes, it really um, it it um, really, it looks really like the uh, making of government. It and, resonates because yeah. there's there's um, uncomfortably so there's scenes where um, you basically have this committee tra- trying to reach consensus and people are raising their arms in the air yeah. and sort of halfway and eyeballing each other, giving each other the side eye to see who's voting on what, just yeah. to make it, sure that they're not the ones going out on the limb. A lot of, lot of moral cowardice at play mm-hmm. in the in the highest echelons of government. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this film does look dark and funny, which is in both of our wheelhouses. Yep. 
So we desperately want to see it. I hope at least it comes to video on demand, if nothing else. Yeah, I, I hope it arrives at some point in in this country, or if mm-hmm. it, or if we blinked and missed it, I hope. Uh, I hope someone tells I us ho- where to find it. I hope it lands on um, yeah. iTunes soon enough. Mm-hmm. All right, so Phil, the next one is one you showed me. Yes, it, it, it landed well in Toronto. Yeah, and it also this is another movie that's already come out in yeah. the UK. Uh, oh, they get everything cool first. Why? Yeah, they got Nigel Farage. We don't have a Nigel Farage. Family of Ann Coulter is our lonely single. Their yeah. lonely single is responsible for Brexit. Yeah. So um, it's film stars don't die in Liverpool. Unsubscribe. Yeah, yeah, podcast. they are. So I'm just I'm carrying through. Yeah. Uh, we'll All fix right. it in post. Um, we can't do post. No, we don't. We really don't. <laughs> Anyway, it's film stars don't die in Liverpool, and it's it's actually based on a, a, a true story. I don't know how accurate it is, but mm-hmm. um, it's uh, the story and, of Gloria, the latter years of Gloria Graham, who mm-hmm. uh, holds a special place in I think both of our hearts. Oh, I it's love fair to Gloria say, Graham but especially so, you because so you much. are mooning over her right now. I like she was such a vivid and original and compelling presence on film, and so let, let, let's step back uh-huh. um, if you. Uh, if you've heard us talk on other podcasts, yeah. she is in the movie The Greatest Show on Earth. Which That's really not representative no, of her work. It is no. not representative of her work, but I, I mention that because... That's where we first fell in love with she her. She is probably the best thing in that movie. Um, she you know, she's she so is this acid-tongued... Uh, this acid-tongued elephant trainer. Yes. And and she spends all of her time... Flattery uh, rolls right off my back. That's flattery rolls right off me. So yes. She says that. Yeah. And um, she is she is part comic relief mm-hmm. and uh, part heart and soul of the movie. I would say yes, she's the bad girl. In and the movie. but the thing is, is she's she's got more moral integrity than everybody else put yes. together. Um, you will also know her from. Um, <clears throat> Oklahoma, where she plays Addo Annie. Yeah. You will know her from The Bad and the Beautiful. That's one of her big noir uh, breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. She was also, she's also in, um, oh, help me out. What's the, the, the one George Bailey with his horrible uncle? Oh, yeah, yeah. She, it's a Wonderful it's Life. It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. Clarence. Yeah. 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 Right, no. So, yeah. And she won an Oscar somewhere along the way. I forget for what. I'm checking now because she's just that great. Yeah. Um, but, 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 let's see. She got in a supporting... Oh, The Lonely Place. The Lonely Place, which I have not seen, actually. No, wait. I don't think she got for The Lonely Place. Hold on. No. Um, <laughs> not brought to you. Um, we'll fix that in post, too. Yeah, no. The Bad and the Beautiful. The Bad and the Beautiful, she which we've already mentioned. She was also nominated for Crossfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is another uh, noirish mm-hmm. type thing. Anyway, she had a strong career. Mm-hmm. Um, her closest modern analog is, to be honest, Natalie Dormier, which you will not know because you, no. didn't, you didn't watch Game of Thrones or um, or um, Jonathan Rhys Myers' Crazy King Henry. Um, Tudors, the Tudors. Um, she had a supporting role in the first Captain America movie as, as the floozy. Anyway. Um, Interesting, because yeah. I, I, I was going to go... I mean, this is more post uh-huh. full. I, I I was thinking more of a Melanie Griffith, Susan no. Sarandon mm-hmm. type. No, no. but uh, well, Melanie Griffith in her in her day. In no, her day. no, Melanie Griffith was Cherry Two Thousand for me. Um, well, see, I, I Gloria think of, Graham mm-hmm. always had. So here's the thing that makes Gloria Graham so special is um, for all that she always played the bad girl or the fallen woman or she did it before marriage. Um, yeah. she always had a. Uh, an uncompromising principle at the core of her persona. Mm-hmm. Like that was her, her jam. 
And the thing about Melanie Griffith is she can't convincingly play that kind of steel. Melanie Griffith's big strength with her on-screen persona was always um, an irrepressible sweetness at the heart of it. Like mm-hmm. her two strongest, Melanie Griffith's two strongest roles, in my opinion, are in Working Girl and Cherry 2000. And in both of those, the reason that it works so well is because all of that spunk comes from this deeply held conviction that treating people decently is the right thing to do, even when it causes you pain and heartache. Mm. Um, Gloria Graham would not take that approach. No. Natalie Dormier doesn't take that approach. And that is why I think that Natalie is, Natalie's your girl. Okay. Um, Anyway, to get back to this movie, um, it plays out um, wonderful Gloria Graham's presumed last years. Yes, it's her final year. She's yeah. in uh, England. I, I think at that point she was doing stage work. Yeah. Uh, she's played by Annette Benning in mm-hmm. the movie, uh, who actually is a very, I think, underrated actress doing a lot of nice uh, yeah. nice stuff. No, in I like her, Annette Benning a lot. Yeah, 20th Century Women, I understand, really mm-hmm. landed uh, well last year. But um, she uh, apparently she fell in love with a much younger man. That's kind of her jam, because one, one of Gloria Graham's marriages broke up when her husband found her in bed with his son. Yeah. So Gloria has Gloria always had a thing for, for younger men. Yeah. But yeah, she did, she did take up with a much younger man. She got into stage work. She ignored her cancer until it was too late. Yes. Um, and I think we're going to see Annette Benning doing all that. Yes. And I want to see it because Annette Benning does great work. Yeah, I, I, and I heard the reviews, and the reviews are uh, apparently quite good. Yeah. And I like Jamie Bell as an actor, too. Yeah. I've seen him. I mean, it movie. seems like one of those things you could easily rent or mm-hmm. uh, stream. iTunes or... It, 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 it does not seem necessarily that you need to see it on a big screen to, to get yeah. the full full flavor. But uh, nevertheless, it looks, uh, looks quite good, and yeah. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. No, and like I said, Jamie Bell. I, I watched a season of Turn on AMC, and he he has a he has a good steady presence, mm-hmm. which I think is actually an underrated quality for a lot of actors because you get a lot of people who are supposed to be twitchy or charismatic, but to have somebody who makes a study of playing decent people in um, circumstances they don't quite understand but are trying to, to roll with. Right. You know, that's that's the thing that he does really well. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, those are the two that were like, Whoa! Those are the two I'm vaguely interested in. Yes. Now for two movies I couldn't care less about. And yet I want to discuss those more. Yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, so we saw the trailer uh, before Star Wars. There were two trailers that played. The first was for Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. Um, full disclosure, I haven't read the book yet. Mm-hmm. I plan on reading the book before I see the movie. Uh, we watched the trailer. It's a Steven Spielberg film. It is. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this. I, 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 I want to give my full disclosure. I do not plan on reading the book because books. Yeah. Ugh. No, not you. <laughs> and uh, uh, second, I do not plan on seeing the movie. The trailer certainly certainly did not convince me that it was uh, something that I need to uh, devote two hours of my life for. Yeah. And for me, Steven Spielberg is one of those when he is on, he is very much on. And when he is not, he is very much uh, steer clear of him. And yeah. I kind of use you as my canary in the coal mine to tell me whether yeah. whether this is whether good this is Spielberg. Or, yes. Yeah. It is this catch me if you can Steven Spielberg which I which I really mm-hmm. enjoy. Yeah. Or is this hook Steven Spielberg? No, I'm going to say AI is kind of his I, I Well, that's it. yes, you especially hate AI. Yeah. I especially hate Hook. So yes. we both have Steven Spielberg <laughs> movies that we hate. <laughs> Oh, this is the affirming hour of the show. <laughs> we 
<laughs> yeah, take that, Steven Spielberg. As he laughs in his mansion. Yeah, entirely take that from your pile, your throne of money. I'll have to cry into a few banknotes. Mm. No, what I want Your to ending to Munich was unsatisfying. The Munich ending would have been fine if it had... Your ending to Lincoln was quite... You were making a great movie with Lincoln, and then you went off the rails. Uh, any hoodle. Yeah. Any hoodle. Yeah. <laughs> I said any hoodle, sir. Exactly. That means the topic has changed. Consult your Robert's rules of order. Any hoodle. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> to get back to Ready Player One. The, any hoodle, indeed. The plot looks anodyne because it's oh, I'm a boy and I'm yeah. I'm secretly special and only I can do yeah. this special thing and people see how special I am. This is going to be one of those. There's a, I hear tell of a prophecy. Yeah. That well. there is a special little boy. Well, here's, do well, things because better. the idea is that he's finally found his place. What I find interesting about Ready Player One, purely from a you know film going perspective, mm-hmm. is one the aesthetics of the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think Spielberg is like a lot of American baby boomer directors in that he's internalized this sense of American exceptionalism. And so he's showing you this trailer park where those trailers are stacked like five deep and there's food trucks instead of restaurants. And you're supposed to be horrified by this. And I'm all, dude, have you never been to parts of the U.S.? It's like this already. Um, But the whole point of this is supposed to be people have lost hope. People don't have a place to go. The gulf between rich and poor has never been bigger. And it feels weirdly uncomfortably current. So the reason I'm curious to see this movie is I want to see... If this is something where you are looking at a filmmaker who's legitimately trying to engage in the world around him, and then I want to see if he's actually capable of doing so. Because you, I, what I would argue is that for Spielberg, a lot of his early stuff, he did kind of engage, like um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, for example, is about somebody who lives very much in the world and wants to break out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? And that was a big strength of his. Absolutely. Um, Jaws, you could argue, is somebody who's uncomfortably confronting the limits of his world when he's dealing with something that doesn't belong there. The yes. shark! Um, mm-hmm. But as he's as he's made more of a name in fantasy and has gotten all weird and thematic, um, what I'm curious to see is if somebody who's been a millionaire for three decades and holds an incomprehensible amount of power in multiple spheres is capable of taking a story about somebody who appears to be socially and economically disenfranchised and disempowered and turn it into something that actually works and actually matters. See, I, I know next to nothing about the the story of this other uh-huh. than the fact that because my, my Twitter feed is carefully cultivated, yeah. everyone in my Twitter feed makes fun of this, uh, yeah. of the book. Uh-huh. Uh, so we know a lot of the same people. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm disinclined to think that this is going to be any good. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. The my other complaint is largely because of the source material yeah. and largely for the the the, yeah. the the challenges that you've outlined. My other my my the things I wanted to comment on about the the aesthetics. Um, like I said, when you've got that shot of it's Columbus, Ohio, twenty forty five, and oh, the horror that people live in trailer parks. What yeah. it reminds me, unlike Columbus, Ohio, in two thousand seventeen, <laughs> which is a which is a garden paradise. I don't know. I've never been. Sorry, Ohio. But what it reminds me of is when my mom gets all worked up about the state of politics and she sputters, "This is not the America I grew up in." And I think that's what interests me is the idea that we're seeing, you know, grand. Spielgrit and reactionary here. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see how he frames that. That said, I have a knee jerk aversion to when you make shock troops look cool. 
which this trailer definitely mm. does with the nameless, faceless, numberless shock troops. And they're all in sleek black and they have all the cool cyber stuff going on and they're mm, coordinated and fantastically agile. And, and man, you should never ever have, have tools of an overwhelming power. Look that alluring. That is like some Lenny Riefenstahl stuff there. Like, I don't know. And eh, I get really uncomfortable with glamorizing. Okay. That kind have of, have kind you of seen, Bra- have you seen Brazil? Way back when. I honestly don't remember much about it because I was... No, the shock troops in Brazil look good, but at no point do you go, boy, I want to live in Brazil time. No, I'm just saying that... that Yeah, I mean, you can Look, there used to be an old PGR work joke in the 1980s where he joked that the reason people... uh, He joked that the allure of Nazism is that people used to fantasize sexually about being ravaged by Nazis and no one's ever fantasized about being ravaged by Ralph Nader. Yeah. And his argument was that No, speak for yourself, PGR work. And, oh God, don't talk about our personal life, Philip. Tonight I'm the Pinto. <laughs> Tonight I spell the 2000 election. <laughs> the safety word is hanging, Chad. Anyway, okay. <laughs> this podcast, yeah. You know, people used to sponsor this podcast. Wow. Used to being the keyword. Yeah. I can hear the sound of checks being canceled. People are like contacting Jason Snell now. I take it all back. Yeah. Anyway, my point is is that PJ Rourke had a point about the power of imagery. Yeah. And so Absolutely. So I I'm kind of skeptical to see how this will play out because Ready Player One makes it like really lucrative to be kind of an oppressive corporate security force. Um so there's that. And to that point, I want to talk a little bit when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Which mm-hmm. I went, I've seen it a couple times now to figure out why, because I like it now. I didn't like it at first, but I like it now. And I want to see why. One of the things I love about it. Okay, is is the fact that you didn't like it the first time because you saw it on a plane. And I'm super tired. Yeah, probably yeah. it. Okay. Um, but one of the things I love is you've got the um, Supreme or, or whatever it's called, where it's the, the chick all on gold with her all on gold shock troops. It's and, all pops and whistles, what you're telling but me right now. But my point is, is that they all look ridiculous. Like, they set it up to make it look imposing and very Art Nouveau, and it's supposed to be, oh my, look at them, they have this fantastic equipment and everything. And everyone just looks really dorky. Yeah. And I appreciate that James Gunn took that direction, and I, I wish that Steven Spielberg would, would be a little more dorky sometimes. Hmm. Okay, so, Ready Player One, um... I'll probably wait for reviews before I go see it. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out about it is uh, something that also came up when I was watching the Wrinkle in Time trailer, which is that there's a lot of 1980s music now being used in sinister or foreshadowing ways. Well, and who's making movies these Gen days? Gen X is making the movies. Yeah. And, but what I find interesting about the way they're deploying the music is it's not happy nostalgia. It's it's more like, this is really unsettling. <laughs> what the heck has happened? <laughs> Aha! Uh-huh. For foretells your terrible future, America. Well, they take on me. Yes, <laughs> take on me. Take on you. Yeah. Aha. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Secret lover, no Atlantic star. Secret hater. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, that would be the worst. Tra- oh please! Actually, I can't say that's the worst trailer ever or the best. No, trailer that would ever. be the best music ever to use yeah. in a trailer. Secret lover, yeah, that's what we are. Oh, boy. If I sing in one more line, we have to pay Atlantic Star like a, no. a buttload of royalties. They'd probably be really happy about that. And we, we have already uh, established that people have canceled their patronage of our 
podcast. So we're we're in Hawk. No, I just think it's interesting that we're the in 80s, Hawk to Atlantic well, Star. I think that it's interesting that the eighties have become synonymous with with creeping oppression and yeah. dread and um, terrible things. Yeah, no, it, well, yeah, it's quite true. This this will be interesting if we have enough time to talk about um, mm-hmm. movies that we've been watching recently because I've been on the eighties nostalgia kick. Mm. With uh, with my movie choices, but yeah. yeah, I. Good luck enjoying Ready Player One. It's uh, I. We'll it was it was I'll... one of those movies not made with me in mind. Maybe I will watch it on plane. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll watch it on a bet. Maybe maybe it will be. Maybe it will be okay. Here's how we bring back the sponsors. If you guys sponsor Phil and Lisa ruin the movies, I'll make Phil go see it. With I me. did not sign on for this. <laughs> this was sprung on me. You hush, Mister. I am on the spot right now. You hush, Mister. I'm going to go talk about how I'm a Lucas. Film elite. I am not comfortable um, with where um, what we're going for. I'm making you pay for that earlier comment. Okay. <laughs> right. So that was. The- I am going to call my friends at Lucasfilm, and we are going to put the kibosh on the. Go ahead. I tell you what, if you guys sponsor Phil and Lisa ruin the movies, I may even find a way to live stream Phil's reaction. You can watch him suffer in real time. You can watch those eyes roll right out of the skull and flee for freedom in New- in Mexico. I'll put tile trackers on both of them. Yeah, okay. And, oh, that's creepy sounding. Yeah, really. <laughs> Who's the fascist now, Lisa? They look cool, okay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I want to... Reach say- out, touch facey. That's a boom, 80s boom, song. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, to we, keep with the theme. we got to stop singing these, though, because yeah. we're going to owe royalties. The yeah. second trailer I wanted to talk with you about was yeah. Avengers Infinity War. Keep, keep talking. <laughs> I want your reaction as a civilian. As a civilian, uh-huh. as someone who... When did I tap out of the Marvel Cinematic Captain Universe? Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier, because yes. Because you really hated them blowing the Washington, D.C. Yeah, the only... Um, I've seen the Ant-Man since then, and the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think that's it. Yeah. Because um, I haven't seen Avengers two. The way I talked him into Ant Man is, I said no cities were blown up. Yeah, and it's true. I, it was true. Um, I don't know how you managed to get on the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, oh, I made you watch it because I said, "Oh, it's funny. It's nothing else like the rest of them." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I watched that trailer and I said, "There are ten thousand people in this movie." I know none of them, and I recognize eight of them. Yeah. Oh, hey, there's there's Tony Stark, and there's some. The, the Spider-Man kid. Yes, Spider-Child. Spider-Boy yes. is here. Not really a man no. at this point. Um, well, and- that, is, that, is, that is one of the most disconcerting things about, about Captain America's Civil War is when Tony Stark is like, well, allow me and my child soldier to fight a battle here. And um, mm-hmm. I think I was also annoyed by how they've used Scarlett Johansson. Uh, in t- this, explain more about that. Well, because it's just she's she's just sort of there to oh everything is bad. And we're, uh, <laughs> so like Patty from yeah. <laughs> she's doing the vocal fry, and it's just give her her own goddamn movie for Christ's sake. Yeah. When Wonder Woman hit, you would think that the 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 the, the brainiacs at Marvel would yeah. go. Boy, people really like the movies where the chicks are in charge, and that they would go. We have Scarlett Johansson, who everyone loves. Yeah. Uh, let, maybe let's put her in a movie where so she's not. Two reasons they won't do that. Well, yeah. Well, what are the reasons? One it to me. One because she doesn't have a costume that covers her. No, no. Listen, 
She doesn't have a costume that covers her. If she doesn't have a costume, I would watch that movie in a second. Oh, God, I'm part of the problem. No, she doesn't have a costume that covers her face. And so what that means is that you have to spend more time on Scarlett Johansson or on stunt or on stunt shots that are expensive to set up as opposed to just doing that crap in CGI and post Okay, Gal Gadot did not have a, a costume that covered her face. So... Number two, though, Gal Gadot is a lot less expensive than Scarlett Johansson is. That is true. That is where I'm going with this, Phil, okay. is that she costs money, and the more ScarJo you see in a movie, the more money they're going to have to pay mm, at this point. Okay. So it is easier for I'll them. I'll allow it. I mean, they're launching Brie Larson as um, Captain Marvel, in part because Brie Larson is younger, and she can put on a, she can put on a costume that obscures some of her face, if necessary, so you can have much cheaper shots in compositing, and you can also probably pay that Oscar winner less than you can uh, an actress who has at least a decade on her in the career. Yeah. Also, um, the thing that really soured me on the Avengers trailer is, boy, there is a lot of Doctor Strange in that movie. See, I saw the Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, well. And I enjoyed it. Really? I did. Oh, good. Yes, yeah, Crumblehorn Snorkak is a compelling comic <laughs> actor, believe it or not. Listen, I think that uh, Cumberbund... <laughs> Beaver Snatch is very fine when he is a supporting player. I'm uh-huh. not sure he can carry a movie. Cucumber Bandicoot did just fine. Lisa, you will find no bigger fan of Bandersnatch Jabberwock than myself. But uh, that character with his crazy hands and his cape, or it, mm-hmm. it's just a little too much to bear. <laughs> Tom Bombadil. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I can't remember laughing too hard. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Tom Bombadil, <laughs> Boomer Snitcher is what you're trying to say? No, I was actually on a TV show recently where, because Amazon is has now bought lots of rights off of Tokyo and is, is spinning off like a Middle Earth series, yeah. I jokingly proposed that they do an entire series on Tom Bombadil. Ah, and um, sure, one not? of my co-panelists, who I would add, founded a billion dollar company, is like, that's a fantastic idea! <laughs> So the world is insane. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think you could actually do him as like an anti-hero. But we're really getting far afield of Uh the Avengers trailer. So as a civilian, you're unimpressed. You feel like they misused Scarlett Johansson. Um, And and there are 800 people in this movie, and I only care about three of them. Who are the three? So Scarlett Johansson one and two? (laughs) I do. I do enjoy me as Scarlett Johansson. Yes. I, you know... I like Steve Rogers, uh-huh. who is a brunette in these movies. He's blonde. Nope. He's blonde. Nope. Oh, I'm looking up. Show me a picture of him being blonde. I am doing that right now. He Mr. is very brunette. No, he's blonde. Captain okay. America, Steve Rogers is blonde. And so Chris in the cartoon, is he is blonde. In the I movies, he is a brunette. Absolutely. Pulling this up now. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is very compelling podcasting. Um, there. Look. Those are all pictures of his as blonde. Kind of brown to me. Nope. Nope. That's blonde hair. That is hair in the yellow spectrum. Nope. Yep. Look at that. Light hair on the top. Brown. Blonde. Brown. Blonde. Very brown. It's frosted, but it's blonde. It's frosted because it's brown. It's blonde. Okay. (laughs) This is the real Civil War, by the way. Yeah. Is all this fighting over Captain (laughs) (laughs) No, we need is Axel Rose to come in and go, what's a Civil War anyway? He might do it. He's yeah, he would. He needs the money. <laughs> um, so, so as, as so, yeah, and and um, 
I understand y'all are excited about the Black Panther, but I don't know. Oh no, Black Panther's trailer. Did, we talked about that. We right? we did. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of trailer. The Black Panther trailer. I don't care about Thor. Brown. Um, I feel like if you watch the Taika Waititi, movie, I am I am seeing a lot of us um, uh, photos of Captain America right now, and everyone he has brown hair. So continuing on. Um, so Scarlett Johansson and um, uh, Robert Downey uh, Jr. No, uh, uh, Captain America. Uh-huh. I don't really care about the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ant Man, and those are the only. And Ant Man wasn't in this trailer, and he's not in the trailer. No, so I don't. I don't care. No, what was interesting? So, and the Guardians of the Galaxy show up because uh, because Thor ends up on their plane somehow. Yeah. No, I think what was fun was watching this trailer with Phil, and when Loki strides across screen, Phil's like. This guy is still around? Yeah, why haven't they killed Loki? Why have they not eaten Loki? Because Tom Hiddleston is insanely compelling to watch. If you say so. Look, I honestly feel like this movie is going to start off with um, uh, Grimace the Destroyer. <laughs> I can't remember. Now that movie I would watch. <laughs> it's going to start off with... I would love to watch a McDonaldland movie uh-huh. where it's like Ronald and Mayor McCheese and Big Mac the Cop have to uh-huh. fight uh, Grimace. Grimace the Destroyer. Yeah, no, it's that's Josh Berlin, by the way. As Grimace? No, as as as, as Thanos the Destroyer. <laughs> oh, the same well, whatever. Yeah. Did you know that when they originally introduced the Grimace character, he was an evil character in the vein of Hamburglar? No. Oh yeah, he had he had he had four arms. What? No. Because he stole shakes. This is Grimace's origin story. I am. I am. This is all of a sudden not a word of a lie. Go onto YouTube and look up Grimace, I and will you will find. Not. That's you will find. Calling. He was not purple. He was kind of greenish. Yeah. Well, to get back to the like, to Steve Rogers is not blonde. Steve Rogers is completely blonde, and you need to drop it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Grimace did Don't have make multiple. Me look at pictures of Chris Evans all night. That would be terrible. Grimace had multiple oh, arms. And stole shakes, and and Ronald McDonald had to defeat him. So so I would many shirtless pictures of him too. So I would welcome a movie. I'm just going to keep talking about Grimace until you uh, move on. (laughs) No, I'm not moving on from this haircut thing. You're the one who will will (sighs) die. His hair is purple like Grimace's. (laughs) And this is where Phil takes a drink. Mm -hmm. All right, to get back to the Avengers. Yep. So I actually want to talk about the Avengers Infinity War trailer. In the context of the Star Wars movie. Okay, go ahead. Um, the reason I want to talk about it is because one of the things that I think the Star Wars movie does right, uh-huh. this particular one, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, like hyperspace jumping ahead. I think we've reached the spoiler per- portion if you... Uh, if you're still listening to you, If you held on, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? No, the point of The Last Jedi is it basically... Blo- it, it, like the theme that keeps coming up repeatedly that everyone gets beaten about the head and the shoulders with Mm -hmm. is it's time to let old things die. It's time for a new generation to take over. And the Avengers infinity war spoiler, the Avengers infinity war caps off something like 17 movies, like going back a decade at this point. Yeah. Who's counting? Well, there's like a crazy amount of continuity and things like that. And so I'm really curious to see if this is some more burnishing of the institutional cred or if they actually will have the nerve to have someone sweep an arm across the chessboard and knock off some major players. Because your reaction to the trailer, which is, I don't know who half these people are, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Um, 
actually shows one of the bigger problems that the Marvel franchise is facing, which is that it is a franchise and that there are too many people to keep track of and too much history. And if you keep throwing in sops for the fan base, you're going to alienate actual moviegoers who don't spend all of their time on Tumblr or Twitter or any other fandom vehicle, you know, endlessly dissecting plot twists and making up elaborate theories in their heads. Mm. You know, I'm, this is, I think this is the challenge of almost any franchise is at some point you, um, you have to shake things up. You can't be beholden to your hardcore fan base because they're not your, they're, they're not, they're not going to be a wide enough audience. They'll be a loyal audience, but that's not the same thing as being the kind of audience that you can build, mm-hmm. you know? So so anyway, the Avengers Infinity War trailer, um, overall, I, I took a look at it, and um, I think it's interesting who they showed versus who they didn't, uh, you know, because obviously you're like, oh, it's Captain America, oh, it's his best friend, oh, they're, you know, um, oh, Iron Man's looking troubled because once again, New York is getting smashed to smithereens. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss the Ant-Man. I do. I do. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I trust the Russo brothers with this more than I certainly do Whedon. Because the Russo brothers have, I think, built up an interesting body of work over the, the Captain Americas that they've Yeah, they, they, they've, uh, as much as I have soured on that entire uh, franchise, franchise yeah. I, I do think they do a credible job of uh, directing and, and infusing a movie yeah. with a, a particular point of view. Well, the point of view that they had in the two Captain Americas that they did mm-hmm. were, uh, was came down to institutions are corrupt. Yep. And the fastest way to destabilize an institution is to undermine its trust. Yes. Like that's something that carried through the two movies that they did. I'm really curious to see if they maintain that kind of thematic continuity here. Mm-hmm. And I'm also really curious and hopeful to see if they maintain some of the characterization that we saw in Thor, for example, where both uh, Bruce Banner and um, Thor got some much needed, uh, fleshing out and resetting of their characters for the better, mm-hmm. I would add. And I want to see if that if that sticks with the stuff. I haven't seen the Thor movie. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I think, it's so good. I think I would enjoy it because mm-hmm. um, I, I do like Taiko... Uh, Taiko Waititi. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have enjoyed his other movies, mm-hmm. uh, particularly What We Do in Shadows. Oh, God, I love it so much. That it's is my a good, favorite. That's a good movie. Oh, it's so funny. Have you not seen it, folks? Go see it. Leave me to do my dark bidding on the internet. <laughs> It's the best line. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so we're almost forty minutes into this movie. God, we so much. Uh, forty minutes into this podcast, and can we, we talk about Star Wars in twenty minutes? Do you think? I think we can. We can pull it off. Yeah. So we both saw Star Wars: um, The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are things I loved about it. The number one top thing, I, and there are things that I want to discuss. Okay. Um, what do we start with? Well, what, can I give my quick review? Yeah, you should. Well, you can read my full review, Lisa, since you asked. I didn't. At Tomsguide.com. Once you, again, I want to point out I didn't ask. You, well, you can still read it at Tomsguide.com, mm-hmm. where my full review is, and you can read it. I like the movie, yeah. and I say that as someone... Who does not like Star Wars. I No, that's untrue. No, I, but you're pretty indifferent to it as a film. I'm indifferent. I don't regard it as a sacred text. I don't yeah. say, you must know this. I like, I, li- I think, number number episode five. Mm-hmm. 
I always say the second movie, but you can't yeah. say that anymore. Um, I think Empire Strikes Back is a great movie, yeah. independent of uh, any Star Wars baggage. Mm-hmm. I think um, Episode Four is a very good movie if you're a fan of movies. Yeah. Um, well, Episode Four, the reason Episode Four is such a good movie is because it reset the visual vocabulary for this it, stuff. Exactly. It is a really skillful resetting visual vocabulary plus a blending of genres. I think if you like Return of the Jedi, good for you. And uh, I think the <laughs> I think the prequels are an abomination against God and man mm. and cinema. And eh, I didn't mind the Force Awakens; it was okay. It was yeah. it was a safe pair of hands. It was competently directed. And but, you haven't seen Rogue One yet. And I haven't seen Rogue One. I'm so gonna, that's I'm going to rectify that. That's my entire Star Wars background, mm-hmm. and I like this one. Yeah. I thought this was really good, and I thought it was really good because it had the element of Prospero breaking his staff yes. and, and saying, you know, we all, hey, friends, we all like the old Star Wars movies, but let's maybe take this in a new direction. No, like I said, they beat the theme mercilessly. Yeah, yeah. But, but, if, you, but if, I, if your complaint about this movie is that it is not subtle, you are correct. It is not a subtle movie. No. No, but um, but the theme that they put forth is, I think, something that will help the Star Wars franchise in the long run, mm-hmm. which is, and they say it repeatedly in several different formats, it's time to let go yes. of what old people have done, mm-hmm. and it's time to move on and make something new. Yeah. Um, you know, when you have Luke Skywalker and Yoda, the puppet Yoda comes back. When you have Luke Skywalker and Yoda burning down the Jedi tree with the books. Yeah. Although the books show up again in the last scene. Do they? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't notice when that. When you open the drawer, when, when, when Finn opens the drawer to take out a blanket to cover Rose, oh. the books are in the drawer. Oh, I didn't see so they that. somehow. I did not notice that. Yeah. It's that pretty. is the second little thing that I did not notice. Yeah. The other one. Uh-huh. To my eternal shame, mm-hmm. um, uh, there is apparently an Easter egg in there for yeah. uh, The Long Goodbye, which is one of my favorite Robert, Robert Altman movies yeah. um, that John Williams did the score for. Mm-hmm. Um, in the movie The Long Goodbye, which is a Philip Marlowe movie, yeah, they, they, they just Philip. play they play the same song over and over again, but they change it based on where different he is. Different tempos, different instrumentation. When he's in yeah. Mexico, a mariachi band plays mm-hmm. it. When he walks into the store to buy cat food for his cat, it's in a music yeah. version. And apparently in the casino scene, it yeah. plays in the background there. It does. It does. Because uh, uh, Ryan Johnson yeah. is a big fan yeah. of Long Goodbye. But to get back to it, Ryan Johnson um, incorporates this big theme in his whole... In his, in his whole thing, which is, you know, let go of the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts off, again, unsubtly with the whole Kylo Ren destroys his Darth Vader wannabe helmet. Yeah. But, and again, you have an actual lightning bolt called down to blow up the, 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 the home of the Jedi mm-hmm. and all of that. But I'm glad that they did that. I think it will be good for Star Wars in the long run, where instead of it being, you know, bad decision on top of bad decision on top of bad decision, because let's face it, Luke is not wrong. The Jedis have a long and noble history of failure. Yeah. Um, it's it's people who are like all right this is something that that happened but let's it's clearly not working let's find something that works yeah and I like that I like that I like that Luke's departure mm-hmm. um, is an exact mirror of how he was introduced in Episode Four with the three suns except the- yeah and the, both times the sun is, the suns are setting. And he's looking out the horizon, mm-hmm. and the music swells the same way, and then he disappears this time. 
And it was also a nice callback to Yoda saying, you're always looking at the horizon, not what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. But that's who he's always been his whole life. That's who he was when he was 19 on Tatooine. And that's who he was. You know, Mark Hamill, um, he, he, he is what he is as an mm-hmm. actor. I thought he did a very good job in this movie. I, I thought he really did a lot of heavy lifting that you would not expect from from Mark Hamill. Well, he's grown as a, he's grown as an actor, uh, clearly. And I think I think you have to credit all the voice acting he did for that. Yeah, because it made him aware of the small small details. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked his I liked his performance. His performance made me laugh in parts where it was supposed to, especially yes. like when he busts in on Ray and Kai. Kylie, um, <laughs> it was like watching your dad come in to your den when you're making out with your girlfriend on the high school uh, on the couch in high school. Be on the floor, Mister. You know, yeah. it was it was super funny like that. And he now, um, you hang up using the force first. No, 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 you hang up. No, uh, you you should hang up first because we're both using the force to talk to each other. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. So yeah. You, okay, we'll hang up together. <laughs> Yeah, this is Phil doing his... Uh, Have you hung up yet? This is Phil No, doing, I haven't hung up yet. This is Phil doing his recreation of Kylo Ren and Rey uh, connecting across the Force. It was a connection that uh, was actually pushed by Snoke against Kylo Ren's knowledge. He thought he was doing it. Um, Kylo Ren, why don't you tell that nice girl you love her? Say, I love you. It's all about her. Who's going to think Progressive Red Skulls come into this? Uh, no, that's my Snoke voice. It's totally different from <laughs> So anyway, um, to get back to this movie, uh-huh. I really liked um, I really liked that theme. I thought that there were some provocative ideas that Ryan Johnson snuck in there. Yep. Uh, among them was the idea that uh, when you exploit people and deny them opportunity, you will radicalize them, mm-hmm. which is something that happens over and over again. Um, he also points out the uh, moral abdication and gutlessness of people who say both sides are equally bad. Yeah. There is no one clear good guy here, so I'll just work with both sides. Take that, Benicio del Toro, in your face, Heineken man. Well, it's, mm. it's Benicio del Toro's character was, you know, well, again, he's charismatic. He leaps off the screen. Sure. Um, but again, I thought it was very interesting that his character deliberately takes the posture that nah, both sides are equally bad. So the only way to get ahead is to, to not participate, not take a stand. And um, being able to see that behavior laid out on a screen at this particular point in um, the arc of American culture and history, mm-hmm. it's, an un- it's an unusual thing to see in a what is clearly meant to be an extremely profitable tentpole movie. Yeah. Um, just like, again, it's the, the very final scene of the movie where you see children, exploited children, being radicalized against the uh, people who have come to bring peace to their, their empire. Um, that is another really potent image that I think um, kind of snuck under the radar. But um, on the flip side of it, this may perhaps be the most international Star Wars movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, which I think is is fine. I think that's a strength. And the the fact that people are... So I guess guess the most common criticism Uh about the movie... Um, are Star Wars features a girl. Hey, I'm all for girls being in it, but... Why yeah. can't they just be princesses who need to be rescued yeah, in bikinis? Exactly. That, no, no, which I, great, I think yeah. is, is stupid. I you think, know, let's, let's, be, let's be up front about yeah, that. Yeah, that's dumb. Um, I, I hear a lot about the Disney... The Disneyfication what of Star does that Wars. Mean? 
I don't know what that means because Stop, oh yeah, I mean, Star like Wars fantastic customer service from the Empire. Yeah, nineteen seventy seven Star Wars was so pure with its Kenner action figures, which were hand woven by hippies in New Hampshire. There was no profit motive there. Are there even hippies in New Hampshire? I don't I know. Thought they shot them. I don't care. I thought they drove them all into Vermont. And um, get other, out! This is the Granite State. The other complaint I heard was about the dialogue. And again, have you seen a Star Wars movie have you seen in the Star past Wars? 40 years? Aren't you a little short for a Star Wars Yeah, the, the, yeah. the writing has ne- the, the, the crackling dialogue yeah. has never really been a hallmark of, of well, the no, Star Wars movies. Di- I, I think the thing is, is people wanted it to be more serious and weighty. Yeah. And um, no, because humor is, I, I like the idea that humor is a nearly universal cultural impulse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that it was funny. Yeah. I, Justin Thoreau shows up as the code breaker whom they do not hire. And um, I enjoy that he's made a career of, of appearing as, as, as a tiny st- scene stealing douchebag in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was that. I thought a lot of the performances were particularly strong. Yeah. Um, Daisy, sure. Daisy Ridley's. Daisy Ridley was great. Finn, uh, and um, John Boyega just oozes charisma. Holy carp. Every time you see him on screen, you're just. Very much so. Oh I, my God. Every time I you could smile, do. Like, oh. The Rose character didn't land. With me, no. I will be honest, yeah. um, but I, I think that's because you're introducing a new character into this, uh, into an established in, trio, into an established trio, yeah. and you're you're squeezing an awful lot of movie, even even into the longest Star Wars movie. God, it was so long on record. Yeah. Um, they really, um, it could have been a lot shorter. And yeah. for me, the one. The one plate spinning, we've got mm-hmm. like all these things happening. The uh, Finn uh, Rose plotline where they're going one, to yeah. Casino Planet, that was my least favorite. What I do wonder about mm-hmm. with that plotline, because yeah, it seems like a real MacGuffin, yeah. is again, you get two thematic notes that I think we're going to see in the next installment because you get the DJ with his, well, both sides are equally bad nonsense. Sure. Um, and the fact that he's willing to do deals with the empire. And you also get the message that people get radicalized through, um, the first order strip mining their planets and exploiting their children and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, it, it could be what laying groundwork for a future movie. I think it's also, um, I think it also laid some groundwork for Finn in the sense, and bear in mind, I didn't, like you, I had, I had a hard time warming up to the Rose character. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the well, end, I, and, and at the end, when Finn is like, uh, he and he's about to commit a suicide run to take out a gun, and he's screaming, "They're not going to win!" And then that idiot knocks him off course and does her her gnomic. Well, that's how we beat them, not by fighting what we hate, but by fighting for what we love. Like mm. uh, when they go low, we go high. Um, is that where you're going with this? And I, is, is that is and like I guess I guess maybe that sentiment since since Finn's mind has been changed now he's fighting for something instead of against something maybe that's another beat that will be elaborated on in the next film well as you remarked to me or perhaps it was my my, my other wife that i i record podcast to uh-huh. um uh, the sister of rose june yeah. oh it? no her name was Paige. Paige, excuse me she she leapt off the screen she has more she is on the screen for about maybe two minutes and she is Far more charismatic than the Rose character is in the entire time. Well, you know what I was that, thinking, though? Because I, I was thinking about her, um, and we actually should call up her name, but I was thinking about Paige as the character, and what mm-hmm. that whole scene reminded me of was the first Star Trek reboot, 
Mm. where um, Chris Hemsworth, of all people, plays the doomed George Kirk for all of 90 seconds. Right. And everyone I talked to was like, boy, I wish I had seen more of him on screen. Well, because he's a movie star. Yeah, and I think she is, too. Yeah. They got a Vietnamese movie star to play that role. Oh, oh, really? Okay, sure. So, yeah. I'm not ashamed to admit I was hoping that she would do a whole Doctor Strange love thing, (laughs) where she'd be riding the bobs down to the dreadnought going, (laughs) woo-hoo! Well, let's talk about Poe Dameron. Yeah. Because let, let's talk about that character because it's his fault that they lost their entire bombing. Squad. Yeah. Well, for a while I was thinking this movie should just be called Poe Dameron makes terrible decisions. Poe Dameron, you beautiful idiot. Yes. I mean, that's really what you could have called. Man bimbo. No, you beautiful. Yeah, it, it's he's basically the Bernie bro of the operation. Yeah, exactly. Where he just ignores the advice of older women consistently <laughs> and screams about his own priorities. Yeah. Kill everything. Man explains how the revolution is supposed to go. Yeah. But no, I mean, I enjoy the scene where Carrie Fisher shoots him. (laughs) I think that's great. I could watch that. I could watch that on a loop for 50 minutes each morning to get fired up for the day. (laughs) It's like Geraldo getting hit in the face by neo Nazis. That, that also revved me up. Or the, or the sea lion trying to eat that person down in San Diego. Yeah. Oh, you should oh. see the nostalgic oh. smile on his face right now. <laughs> oh, Poe Dameron, sea lions. Oh. But yeah, Poe Dameron, you beautiful idiot. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I'm glad he. I'm glad he learned his lesson by the end of the film and didn't run out to help Ghost Luke fight against Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah, all it took was Laura Dern uh, dying in a oh, horrible way. That is my 2018 look, by the way. Is I'm dying my hair purple and looking like the world's most fabulous Eileen Fisher saleswoman, and just. <laughs> And and just driving into things to make a point. That mm-hmm. is, that is my 2018 agenda right there. Mm-hmm. Step one, lavender hair. Step two, world's most fabulous Eileen Fisher saleswoman. Step three, drive into things. Mm-hmm. There, I feel like it's a confident plan for success. Now, Laura Dern is very good in it. Yeah, um, I liked her a lot. I like and and Carrie Fisher. I so I have to admit the scene where she has the talk with Luke. Uh huh. Um. It, Lump in the throat scene, as I yeah. think I called it in my review at Tom'sGuide.com. It was, it was because mm-hmm. in a way, it was the two actors saying goodbye to each other too. Yeah, um, and uh, it was hard to watch. Mm. And it makes me—I mean, I'm sad she died for many, many reasons. But episode nine would have been her movie, and it makes me sad that she's not going to get her installment the way that Han got his uh, installment in seven, and mm-hmm. number eight belonged to Luke. Um, but I enjoyed her. I enjoy how this movie ends on the Millennium Falcon the same way that Empire Strikes Back does. I like the parallels there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remain incredibly amused by Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because he play- Adam Driver plays petulant so well. He really does. Um, and the end when he's confronting Luke. And I kept thinking, because the first time I watched it, and, you know, they're on the salt planet when the salt turns red when you touch it. And you see the scene where Adam Driver, well, Kylo Ren drags his foot and it turns red. And then you see Luke reposition and it doesn't turn red. And the first time I saw it, I thought, is he somehow standing differently because of the force? And then it took me to realize, no, he looks like what Kylo Ren thinks he should look like. Right. As opposed to like the shaggy, the shaggy island mess that he is. Yeah. And then I remembered, okay, no, wait, X-Wing fighters sunk into the sea. Um, he's, he's not really there. And then the next thing I thought was, how is it that Kylo Ren, who's supposed to be strong in the force, can't notice this? 
Like, how dumb a Jedi washout do you... Well, how dumb a Jedi washout do you have to be to not notice when somebody's force projecting like that? Well, Kylo Ren is also the guy who, when the Millennium Falcon shows up, uh, sends, like, all the TIE fighters all to go... All of them. All of them. Not all like, of them. No, like, hey, send, like, maybe 10 and or then, 12. And then continue to take out the ground troops. He's like, no! no! Send them all! Although that one John Boyega's funniest line ever, he was just like, they really hate that shit. Yeah. Um, um, again, John Boyega, charisma machine. Ooh, wow. I also think Donald Gleason as General Hux has really is, perfected the, you don't have to be crazy to work to work here, but it helps. Oh, just, but he's nervous. Yeah. Really has the, oh, some days I just wish I had taken that job in accounting. Some days you just can't bite down on the, on the cyanide capsule hard enough. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's great as a, he's great as a quizzing, quizzling and a toady and a yeah. terrible general. He's terrible at his job. He's too. really bad, a really bad general. It's a great performance, but though. a great performance. And um, well done, Donald. But Gleason. let's talk about let us talk about what I consider to be the showpiece yeah. of the movie and the reason I actually went back and watched it twice in a row because I desperately wanted to see the scene again, and that is the scene where um, Kylo Ren. In keeping with what is apparently a rich history of betraying his masters, betrays another master. Yeah. And uh, slices Snoke in half. Which, by the way, telegraphed. Because the minute Snoke starts in with, My apprentice, who I know everything about, who will lead me to Who will never betray me. Yeah. Even though this lightsaber next to me is quivering. Yeah, no. Like, the minute he started on... The minute the minute any evil lord starts smuggling monologuing, oh. you know that's the downfall. <laughs> you were almost waiting for him to go, Should I look at the lightsaber? No, I don't need to. It's not going to bisect me. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, no. What a terrible way to die. Yeah, any, any, any hoodle. Mm-hmm. Kylo Ren kills Snoke, and then he and Rey, like, the fire, the light, <laughs> they, and they're back to back against, like, all the creepy red guards, the Praetorian twel- the guards. The Praetorian guards. And yeah. that Praetorian guard fight is amazing. Lisa, I don't know if you are up on your Indonesian cinema, but um, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a couple of movies called The Raid. Oh, we saw them. Yes, we, uh, we saw the raid too. Oh, God, uh, that was so good. Oh, it was so violent. Though. It is very violent. Jesus, and it was like I think I saw somebody pull out a spine by the jaw. Yeah, like, and and basically a lot of the kill shots in that scene. <laughs> I, I was sitting there going, "Someone has seen the raid." Yeah, who who directed it or choreographed this movie? Mm-hmm. Because um, especially the shot where Kylo Ren. Puts the lightsaber through the Praetorian guard's skull, oh, God, that's great. and there's just the smoking hole left yeah. over. That 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 struck me as very raidy. Yeah, no, the Praetorian, but the scene where where it starts with them back to back, and yeah. they fight the Praetorian guards was very exciting, and I loved it. I will I will watch that in a loop. You know what? You can yeah, you can watch. I'll <laughs> have my little video of uh, of. Uh, What's his name doing? What's his stuff? <laughs> Poe Dameron. Yeah. Poe Dameron getting shot by... <laughs> getting Princess shot by Carrie Fisher by, again and by, again. By General Leia Organa. Yeah, and, and, I stand by my decision. Yeah. But, so it was... I, what I liked was it shook it up. Yeah. I liked that. I liked the shift in tone, so it's not it's not all high, fake British accents and in our hour of need, Darth Vader, or what mm-hmm. have you. And I liked the fight choreography, which feels... Which was amazing this time. Modern. Very modern. Yeah. And I liked liked that you looked through a little bit of the wider world and and got to see how people actually react to both the Rebellion and the First Order. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is a really solid installation. 
it was a fun watch, which is what you ultimately want from these movies, too. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. And I liked that there were nods to the past movies. Again, see Luke's departure. See also it ends on the Millennium Falcon the way it did before. There are nods, but it wasn't one of my complaints about uh, movie number seven. Well, it's J.J. Abrams who basically well, was just, basically, hey, let's... Star Wars was a good movie. Let's just redo that one. Whereas there are echoes of Empire uh, well, Strikes Back yeah, in this one, yeah. but it's not oppressive. And it's, it informs well, and the movie, did, but it doesn't uh, drive the movie. And what's more, if you took a child to see this movie who had not seen Empire Strikes Back, they wouldn't be the poorer for the experience because they could take away stuff from this movie. Precisely. Oh, which, speaking of children, this actually brings me to another point, which is that they finally managed to figure out how to get cute into this franchise. Yes. I liked the deft treatment of the porgs. Mm. I think that it was a nice little detail, and... Uh, Look, I recognize it's a merchandising tie-in, and our own daughter is currently asleep with the complimentary porg that power player Philip Michaels brought home from Lucasfilm. You know, when you are like this, with the fret folks at Lucasfilm... His arms are two feet apart. They give you porgs. They say, here, take more porgs. Take them all. Our daughter has a porg. She's yeah. named him Porgy. But long story short, they weren't like the Ewoks were like the actors had to interact and it thinks it's people. It was yeah. just these were adorable little weird bird things. And um, I thought it was a light touch. I thought it worked. It worked for yeah. me. I did not hate the porgs. Yeah. I like the scene where Chewbacca is trying to eat the porg. And they're all horrified. And they're it. horrified. Yeah, and he's guilty. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was a nice little it's, moment. You realize it's only like a matter of time before Peter turns that into a campaign. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this was this was this was a film. It was a fun film, and I when I watched the Avengers preview beforehand, and then watched this film when I was walking out of this movie. In addition to thinking about how fast I could go back and see it again, answer half an hour fast. Mm -hmm. um, The other thing I was thinking about was what is this going to do for Marvel movies now that we've seen how people can successfully take a franchise that's indelibly part of the cultural conversation and then subtly steer it and not so subtly steer it and then reset it without losing its essence. Because now that, now that we've seen it can be done, is it going to have to be done with Marvel? As someone who is not, um, who's violently indifferent, who's who's not enamored of the uh, Marvel movies. I don't think it can be done Mm -hmm. because I think Marvel is um, too conservative. It's too conservative, and it's also going to, once you get to the 12, 10, mm-hmm. uh, 13, 14 movie mark, yeah. uh, you really, um, that is a lot of balls to keep in the air. I feel like you should just throw some of them over the fence, to be honest. Yeah, and, and at a certain point, you just have to say, this thread is retired, and that yeah. thread's retired, and we're going to move forward in this direction. And I don't know that they have the courage to do that. No, one of my favorite tweets that I saw, and I wish I could remember who tweeted it, I'd have to go back to my timeline to see, because I RT'd it, was mm-hmm. um, someone who said, I hope this episode kicks off with um, Thanos ringing Hawkeye out like a chicken for Sunday dinner. Hmm. And I thought, that would actually be a way to do it, where you just kind of, you know, have a wholesale massacre of some of the characters, especially if their contracts are up. Yeah. And uh, you you scramble the plate. I mean, the thing that made the Avengers exciting initially was it was understood to be a scrambling of a status quo. Mm-hmm. And it was also a culmination of pulling together a couple earlier movies. But I think at this point, what you have to do is say, yeah, we expanded the universe out. Now we're going to now we're going to compress it again. Yeah, nice and narrow. Yeah. So, so we'll see. Anyway, may the force be with you, Phil. Uh, we, uh, I'm going to briefly do the things we've been watching. Oh, that's true. We have to do that too. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Since I mean, it's been an hour. You've stuck with us through this point. You haven't. 
You stopped listening an hour ago. I feel confident you can do another ten minutes. With I can. I can. No, I can. I can do this quickly. This um, is true. You can. Uh, I've been on an '80s revival kick. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Particularly um, uh, watched Fish Called Wanda. Oh, that was which so much is fun. one I of my favorite too. movies from the 1980s. I was there when the room. It holds that. up remarkably well. It's so weird to see a young, sexy Kevin Klein at this point. It though. really is. I'm so um, used to thinking as Mr. Fishouter on Bob's Burgers. Yeah, and we just saw him in a PBS uh, version of uh, Present Laughter, and we also saw him as Belle's incredibly decrepit dad in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, so um, that that mm-hmm. held up well. We watched uh, Chariots of Fire again. Which, which holds up beautifully. Which holds up beautifully. I, um, you know, we have we talked about the Vangelis score for that and why it works weirdly? It We haven't, but we can. You know what? No, not this time out. Yeah. I tell and, you, and I'll I also sponsor watch, our podcast and we'll do it. And I also watch The Right Stuff, which you can <laughs> listen to us talk about that in another podcast. Have if you done want. that before? Yeah, we've yeah, done we've that. Not, that. Not you and I, but we've done that on the... Yeah. On other lesser podcasts featuring mm-hmm. other lesser people. Yes. Unlike you. Oh. Who's the best? That's the sweetest thing you've ever said to me on this well, podcast. You know, don't don't get used to it, but uh, there we are. There you go. So th- those that's what I've been watching recently. If it's an 80s movie, I've been watching mm-hmm. you because I'm yeah. I'm uh, I, I'm ready player one. Mm, is that right? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Take on me. Mm-hmm. Take on me. Oh, you know, all we have to do is like slow that down and then have like a child's chorus sing it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we'll have our trailer. Yeah. If someone ever wants to make a trailer for Phil and Lisa Ruin the Movies featuring a children's chorus singing Aha at half tempo, I'm here for it. Yes, you can also use uh, The Sun Always Shines on TV. That would also work. That would work. That'd be appropriate too. <laughs> Phil and Lisa. Watch me. Oh, no, that part is gross. The sun always shines on TV. And and with that, yeah. may the force be with you all. Thank you so much for listening to mm-hmm. Phil and Lisa from the movies. And this special episode. Mm-hmm. Issue sode. Special issue sode. This special episode. Extra, extra. Read all about listening yes. to Phil and Lisa. Ruin Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Thank you and good night. Good night. <laughs>